and welcome along to another episode of Telecast PH, the Telework PH Business Process Outsourcing Podcast, a podcast dedicated to breaking through the cultural barriers and changing the way we look at outsourcing to the Philippines. Here you'll find stories, experiences, and advice from business leaders in different industries, motivational and mindset content, and many other topics that are sure to bring value to your operations. I'm BizDev Jeff, your host. I'm the Business Development Manager for Telework PH. Thanks for joining. And as always, a special thank you to all who have been listening and following my content on LinkedIn and Instagram. And if you haven't yet, you want to find me on those platforms, all you got to do is search BizDev Jeff. Connect with me and I'll show you how outsourcing some of the non-core aspects of your business, like customer support or back office operations, can open up a whole new world. And in return, you'll be helping our mission to make an impact on poverty in the Philippines. Right, so on to today's topic, leadership. Specifically, leadership development. I was joined recently by Ben Duick, who has a master's degree in leadership and is a certified Clifton Strengths executive coach. And he has developed his own signature Clifton Strengths themes, which are strategic, belief, self-assurance, ideation, and futuristic. Now, it was an extremely, extremely interesting conversation. And it, it really opened up my eyes to many of the ways leaders and even teams can strengthen their skills and be more effective. Let's listen in. Hey guys, welcome to Telecast BH. Today I have via Zoom Ben Duick, who is a certified Clifton Strengths executive coach and the founder and president of Cantera Leadership. And I'm excited to have him here. He's, we're going to talk about um, leadership and how right now, with what the world is facing, leadership skills are extremely extremely necessary. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on, Jeff. I'm looking forward to chatting with you and providing some value for your listeners. I'm looking forward to it. As am I, sir. As am I. Uh, do you want to hop right in and tell us a little bit about um, yourself, how you got into this, and, and what is the, um, the Gallup Certified Clifton Strengths Coach? What, what, what is that all about? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So first of all, I'll say I'm, I'm from uh, Canada. So right in the center of Canada, almost in the, in the center of the country near Winnipeg. So anyone who follows hockey, of course, if I'm not sure if your listeners do, but the Winnipeg Jets will be what might come to mind. And uh, I live here with uh, my wife and, and three kids and I'm a leadership development guy. So I work with leaders and teams and organizations and I help them to become better at what they do, basically. Uh, I started doing this based out of a long time passion I've had for leadership development. I've basically been doing leadership development for over 20 years in a lot of different contexts. I've had a lot of different types of roles. I've ran my own business a couple of times. I've worked in a church as a youth pastor where I was working with young leaders, young teens, helping them understand kind of what it meant to, to grow up a little bit and, and be a leader, and be an influencer in the world around them. I've been a summer camp director. I've ran a painting company. I've ran a home construction company. I've worked in the Chamber of Commerce Network. And so all these different opportunities I had, I was building into businesses and leaders and people around me. And so about 10 years ago, I went and got my master's degree in leadership because I wanted to, for myself, learn what leadership meant, how I could be a better leader, how I could help others be better at understanding who they were and how to lead those around them in a more effective way. 
And then just this last year, I, I put it all together and became, uh, I, I launched Cantera Leadership, a leadership development company where I became a Gallup certified Clifton Strengths executive coach. The executive is kind of something I've added in there, but Clifton Strengths coach is what Gallup calls it. And basically what that is, it's, it's using this assessment tool called the Clifton Strengths Assessment. Many of your listeners may have heard about it. Over 23 million people have taken it around the world. Mm-hmm. And it's this assessment tool that helps individuals understand their natural innate talents and then how to use those talents to produce consistent strengths, which is basically consistent outcomes in their roles, whatever that might be. And so that's for leaders, but that's also for teams. It's also for companies. How do you be better at who you are and make that more effective. And I think that ties in actually with what a lot of your listeners are are working through because when you're looking at getting someone to help you out with something, like a virtual assistant, for example, you might be looking at where do I have my strengths that I can use most effectively so that I can have the greatest impact that I can have. And then where do I need someone to come alongside me, kind of fill some gaps. And I'm I'm sure that lots of people that are listening to this have asked those exact questions and, uh, I just love tapping into that leadership side of things and help people understand what they're good at and how to make it better. And this is, this is not industry specific. So, I mean, any industry, anyone who's in any kind of leadership role or who wants to expand into a leadership role can, can contact you and, and, and begin to begin that conversation. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it's, it's, we all have these gaps, right? I I like to talk with that with a lot of people that I work with, whether you call it a leadership gap or a a personal development gap, whether that's as an individual or as a team or as an organization, there's this gap between where we're at and where we could be. And how do you bridge that gap? And as you bridge that gap, you actually realize that the gap never gets completely closed because there's always more room to grow. But right here, right now, the gap I have, I need to figure out how I'm going to grow and become more effective at what I'm doing. And, and that's kind of what I help leaders do. And the approach, the Clifton Strengths approach, I mean, it's used in, in 90% of the Fortune 500 companies, but the idea behind it, it's actually been researched and proven to bring about change and improvement and results in individuals, teams, and organizations. If they focus on starting with what your strengths are, implementing those as much as possible, you're going to be better at bringing about the results you want. And I think that's what we're all trying to strive for, being better at what we do. I, I'm trying that every day myself. I don't have it all together. I'm still figuring it out too. Right. Everybody has flaws. And and the fact that you even you know uh, bring that up, even about yourself, and knowing that it is an ongoing process, that there's always room for improvement, and you just never stop. It's, it's an everyday thing, an everyday yeah. conscious choice to make and to be aware of your actions and, and, and your thoughts and feelings and, and how you're approaching different situations as a leader. Yeah, I like to joke around sometimes that I only do work with imperfect leaders. So if you're perfect, eh, I'm, I'm not your man. You know, I only work with imperfect organizations. So, hey, if you've got a perfect organization, yeah, don't come, don't come to me. Only, uh, or, or, yeah, well, come to me if you're imperfect. If you're perfect, don't come to me. Yeah. There you go, so now in your LinkedIn profile, you have, and, and this is interesting, it says your own, you have my own uh, signature Clifton Strengths themes are strategic, belief, self-assurance, idealization, and futuristic. I really like the futuristic part um, because I'm always one that's thinking ahead, thinking towards the future. But so you've taken this Clifton Strengths uh, course and, yeah. and even molded it even further and put your own spin on it and put your own personality and experiences into it. Is this correct? 
Yeah, so, so the assessment, the, the training I've received as a certified coach uh, helps me use this tool, which gives those, those themes. So everyone gets their themes based on taking the assessment. And there's actually 34 possible themes that you can get. And so futuristic is, is the number five on mine there. So, so that is, is based on the assessment itself. And then when I work with individuals, whether it's coaching or whether it's team workshops or whether it's organizational kind of culture consult, consultation, then I bring in my own experience to that as well. But the, the, the top five themes that I have, which are called the signature themes, the ones that you just listed there, futuristic, for example, is one of them. Then I, I look at, and I do this with clients too, whichever results they get, they're still personalized and customized to how you live that out. So if, if you and I both had the same result, Jeff, like futuristic, let's say we both had that in our top five, that doesn't mean that we live that out in the same way. And the report that we actually get if we take the assessment is customized to each of us as to how we answered the question. So some of the things would be similar in regards to futuristic being very much like a visionary type of a person, you know, I can help energize others because of how I can predict, not predict. That's not quite what I'm, <laughs> I, I can't, uh, uh, you know, predict the future, but I can see what the future might be and right. I can get others energized and excited about that and help them drive towards that, that possibility. So some of that would be the same between me and you, but how we live that out in our specific contexts might be different. You provide like possible outcomes. Like if you do this, this could happen, you know, let's, yeah, let's, being yeah. able to, get anticipate and imagine what the future can be like and and do that for myself but also for others and so it can be something even as a leader if i'm leading a team of people especially we got this covid virus going on helping people to see what the future could be like in a positive hopeful way is a very powerful way that i can tap into futuristic and or any of my top five themes there's different ways to tap into them to provide great leadership and, and whatever someone's top five themes are that's what I love doing. I like helping them find out how they can tap into them to be better and be better at leading. And see, that makes perfect sense. And especially now with what the world is facing, there's going to be a lot of um, changes, yeah. you know, to leadership and, and the approach to leadership. Um, leadership is changing. They may not, uh, you know, some leaders who are used to having an in-house staff may have to switch to now, uh, you know, managing or leading a remote team. Yeah. which is a completely different, you know, uh, animal, I guess you would say it's, it's a, there's a different approach to it. I mean, I know that, you know, being in the BPO industry, we do have a lot of work from home, uh, you know, remote agents. I myself work remote and I've worked as a team leader and it is different. And I'll tell and one, one of the ways is how you, you know, simply word a message you know, through like Slack or something like that, you have to be careful how, because you have to stop and think, is this going to be taken sarcastic? Is it going to be taken as too harsh? Um, you really do. Mm -hmm. you, you have to, you have to think about certain approaches. As leaders, we always have these curveballs being thrown at us, right? Right now we got this big curveball. I mean, it's gigantic how it's affecting everything, right? Virtual teams, uh, people are shutting their businesses down, some of them, right? And some people are, are, are maybe going to shut them down permanently and they're going to be looking for other opportunities. And, and so we've got these curveballs being thrown at us. It's tough being a leader sometimes because how do you figure it out? How do you adapt? And when you're trying to figure out how do I craft a message, you know, sometimes you're not even feeling like you're equipped properly for it because you've been put into the situation that you no one prepared you for. You can't really go through training on how to deal with a pandemic. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, uh... There's no school you can go to, right? It's, but so you got to figure it out. And it's not always easy. That's a, it's a big challenge for most people. Everyone. It's a big challenge for everyone. 
Oh yeah. Across the board. I mean, um, yeah. so, so many business, every, I, I think, you know, pretty much everything from the, the, the biggest corporation to the smallest bootstrap startup has, has felt something even in the, even in a minor way. When somebody contacts you, let, let, let's just say, you know, somebody's listening to this podcast and they're like, Hey, I'm going to give this guy Ben a call. How do you get started? What, uh, you know, what, what's, the, what's the first steps just to take a lot of the mystery out of what, what, what they would expect? Right. I mean, it's a pretty painless experience overall. I, I like to think that it can be an actually really enjoyable. And one of the reasons why it's so enjoyable is because it's a, a method and a tool and, and a process that we go through that's focused around starting with what someone is already good at. It's, it doesn't need to be something where, oh, Ben is just going to be like, beating me up over all my weaknesses and over all the things I struggle with. Now we're going to start with talking about what your strengths are. So anyway, backing up a little bit, if someone is interested, they can easily get in touch with me. I mean, we'll talk about some of the ways that they can find me on online uh, at the end of the the talk here, but if they get in touch with me, I always do a a free uh, exploratory call, usually via zoom, because to me, a big part of of doing any kind of coaching, whether it's one-on-one or with a team of individuals, maybe someone out there is like, Hey Ben, can you come work with my team? Absolutely. But I think a big part of it is first figuring out, is there a chemistry here? Is there actually a way that we can, can connect and get along even between me and one other person or, or, or multiple people? So having a short call saying, hey, this is, what I'm, this is what I do. This is what it's all about. And this is the process. Normally a coaching package, a one-on-one coaching package starts with, with a minimum of three sessions, uh, but it can be extended or it can be as long as possible. I've done anywhere between three and, and indefinite. I have a client who, who I meet with once a week and it's in an indefinite contract until we feel it's ready to wrap up. But then also from a team perspective, usually a team, uh, there's team workshops that I do. I'm starting to do virtual workshops because of, again, the virus. And that's really a great opportunity. I think now, especially during some of these times of challenge to build into your team so that when times start to become more stable and more normal, your team is firing on all cylinders. And that's where you can have a conversation with me and, and figure out, uh, how we go about getting the assessment done and then lining up a time to do either the coaching or the workshop or combination if it's a combination with an organization. Right. Now's the time to start exploring those kind of options. Well, I think so. And, and you know, it reminds me of, of something that I just did a webinar on this actually recently. Uh, so Gallup, the company that I'm certified through as a, as a coach, they've also done a lot of research and a lot of studies. Most people know Gallup because they do a lot of research. They actually don't know the, the leadership development component to, uh, side of it as much, but it's actually, uh, I think they do as much leadership development as they do polling and research. They did a bunch of research about 10, 12 years ago around what followers want from their leaders. So they didn't go to you know famous CEOs or celebrity you know speakers or anything like that. They went to to the followers in organizations and they said, what do you need from your leaders? And they had, uh, I think it was like 500,000 people or something. Don't quote me on that number for sure. I I forget exactly how many that answered. And so they came up with these big buckets of, of kind of what the themes of the answers were for us as leaders to kind of grab hold of. And, and the reason why I did a webinar on it and the reason why I'm, I want to share this with you and your listeners is because it is so important all the time, but it's so much more important even now when we're dealing with this uncertainty that the coronavirus is bringing. And so if, if you're okay with it, I'll share you the, with you those four things for you and your listeners. Absolutely. So, okay. So first one that they, they came up with was, was trust. So followers need trust. Now there's lots of different ways of, of, kind of viewing what that means exactly. But, but I think the simplest way of summing it up is that you need to be predictable in an unpredictable time. 
So your followers, if you're a leader, your followers, the people around you, and even if you're not a leader with followers, it could be your family that needs this, that they want to know what you bring to the table. They want to know how you will react. They want to trust. They want to trust that you're going to be able to be who you say you are and that they're not going to be uncertain if they show up to work in the morning or if they show up on their virtual call that they've never had before. They don't want to be able to be worried. Oh, who, who's showing up as my leader today? What, what am I going to get from him? They want to know what you're going to bring to the table. So they want to trust that. Be predictable in an unpredictable time, especially. The second thing is compassion. So I think compassion, we, we always want that from people around us, whether it's friends or whether it's family. But even as followers, your followers want you to show compassion. So, so say it, say that you care for them, but back it up with policy as well too. Like don't just, just say, oh yeah, I care for you. I, I'm glad you're on my team. I, I love having you as a part of my team. How are your policies backing that up? And especially with fear, the uncertainty that's happening now, you know, and it might mean you need to build some relationships with those around you more than you might think so. Most of the time we feel like we don't have time for that, but you may need to, especially during these uncertain times, spend a little bit of extra time building that relationship, building that friendship. If you're, if you're having your virtual conference calls because you can't meet in person, don't be scared of having some time at the beginning of your call, like more time than you might even feel is normal. Just talking about what, what's going on personally because people are all figuring it out even in their own homes. I'm figuring it out here at home too. You want to know what they're experiencing on their end yeah. so, that, so that you can approach that with compassion. You, you want to hear, yeah. you know, what are you feeling? What are your fears? Yeah, exactly. And, and they, your followers, if they have that, I keep using the word followers, but it doesn't just apply to followers, but the people around you, they want that opportunity to share it because when they share it, if they feel comfortable sharing with it, that builds uh, that, that, feeling of, yeah, people care for me. I and then they want to be involved more with you as a leader, with your organization. And you're going to start seeing some transformation within your team because they know that they are, are in a safe place. It doesn't need to be that they're, you know, that, that that's their only circle of friends. Obviously you hope the people in your team are, have friends outside of your team as well, but if they don't feel like you got a safe place, that they're not going to be as engaged with their work either. The, the third thing Gallup found was stability. I mean, that's a huge one. Providing this psychological safety for your team. And so it's kind of the practical stability. I mean, people want to know if they can, that they have the things that they need to do their job, right? They want the tech that they need. They want the, the paycheck. They want the support around them. That helps them feel safe, right? And, and in some situations that might be bringing in other people to help out or, you know, having someone come and fill this gap so that I can feel like I am able to do my job properly. That provides stability. But then there's a the psychological side of things as well. And especially in times of uncertainty, do your team around you, do they know that this workplace is a stable workplace, that they're going to be able to come to work and not have this sense of drama and, and um, you know, people freaking out? Not that they can't be real, but, you know, freaking out over other things because lots of people have been a part of workplaces where, you know, oh, this workplace drama that I had to deal with today or whatever the case was, so-and-so was flipping out at so-and-so and, and whatnot. As a leader, can you provide some of that normal place to be? at work. And then the last one is hope. Hope is so powerful. If you don't have hope as a part of your, how you lead as a part of your team dynamic, you're missing out because hope is what gives people the ability to look beyond the now. So the stability is a part of the now. Hope is what a part of the future is. It's this aspirational goal 
this aspirational direction that we're going. And so you as a leader can help provide that, especially during turmoil, being able to say things like, you will be okay, we will be okay. And if workers around you, if your team around you has hope, they're gonna be more resilient, they're gonna be more innovative, they're gonna wanna work harder, and then they're gonna help get over the obstacles that we're all dealing with, these new barriers, they're gonna help get over those a lot more if they have hope for what could be. So those four things, trust, compassion, stability, hope. That's what we gotta do as leaders. And as I listen to you talk about that, it seems to me that they all intertwine. Absolutely. Yeah, they build off each other. They, they come back. It's, like, it's, it's almost like a cycle in some ways. And, and if you're missing one of them, I mean, it, it's going to be a struggle. It'll be hard to miss them. If you're hitting three of them, you're probably providing the fourth one anyway. But you got to still be intentional about it to a certain extent because your, le- your leadership needs to show those qualities to your team. All of this is essential for a healthy company culture. Yeah, whenever, right? It doesn't need to be only now during this COVID-19. It's essential for company culture regardless. So the, the study was done 13 years ago before the COVID virus was anywhere on the radar, right? It just becomes that much more important when these kind of pressures come. But your company culture needs those four things, absolutely. And right, and at this point now, even more so, like you said, uh, people are you know looking to their leaders to lead them through this uncertain times. You keep saying, we keep talking about these uncertain times and they really are, you know, everybody's worried about their job. Everybody's worried about their security. And, and not, and not only that, they're worried about their health. They're worried about their safety. So it's, it's pretty much their entire life is affected, not just their, their job. So if, you know, they're already concerned about their kids, their, their, uh, you know, their parents, their families, whoever contracting this virus and becoming ill and becoming sick. They're, they're also worried about lockdown, getting supplies and paying bills. They don't need that extra added security of, I mean, insecurity of, is my job on the line? Am I going to lose my job tomorrow? Are they not telling me something? Um, you know, what's going on in the company? My, I can't get a hold of my leaders, you know, this kind of thing. They're looking at their leaders uh, to, to blaze a trail, to, to be dependable and, to, to trust them, to trust that, Hey, this guy is going to do everything he can for me, for us. Yeah. And absolutely. And I, I think that a big thing that you, you referred to there is the communication side of things, right? Because communication is a major part of all four of those things that I talked about, how you communicate, how often you communicate. And, and most of the time as leaders, we don't communicate as often as we actually need to. We think we've communicated enough, but when it comes down to it, when we actually talk to the people around you, most of the time it comes back that, the communication level wasn't where the people around you wanted it to be. And so communication is a big side of things. And I think a second thing to keep in mind as we're trying to figure this all out is yet, you know, maybe there's going to be uncertainty around what is happening with the business. Right. And, and there might be a time and a place for a conversation around, Hey, we're not sure where our business is going, but again, communicating when it's important and, and, and the, what is important to communicate. You may not be able to communicate everything, but there is uncertainty. So I don't think you can get away completely from saying, we're not sure, you know, what's going to be happening. Right. We have to own that, but how are we communicating about it? And how are we doing the things that we can do in spite of that uncertainty? So maybe it's, you know, we're all working from home and maybe we're all working virtually, but maybe as a leader, if you, if it works out because you live in a close proximity, I know some virtual teams don't, maybe what you got to do is you got to go drop off something special on their front step you know, maybe they need some extra groceries or maybe they didn't even say they needed extra groceries, but Hey, that's a great way to show compassion and to show that you actually care. 
because there's some things that you can't control. You can't control. Maybe your business isn't taking in enough business to actually make it through the next four months. But what can you do so that the people around you are still feeling like you are doing what you can in the moment you have? Do something different than just nothing. That is a great point. Great point. So backing up now, when we're on, let, let's just say we're in, you know, in regular times, we don't have a pandemic. Right. Um, and, and just, just to simplify and, and taking it to, to the basics. So, you know, that when, when we're in an office setting and, you know, the leader walks in, say, you know, who we call the boss or, or whomever, um, yeah. they set the tone pretty much for the day. Yeah. You know, when, when, the, when, when your leader comes in and they're irritated, they're in a bad mood, they snap at somebody, it's like, whoa, you can, <laughs> you can cut the, the tension with a knife, as they say, you know, throughout the office. Is, is this also something that you, that you touch on is, is that, that even, you know, basically how, how leaders can internalize things with, without having it affect them personally, but, but without, uh, showing things to, to the staff and to, and to those around them? Yeah, it, it, it's something I do talk about this with, with a lot of leaders and it's a, it's, a, it's a fine balance to try to figure out because I do talk a lot about an importance of being authentic and real with your team. So you don't want to hide everything, but you also don't want to be that jerk who comes in and takes it all out on the team either because that's not fair to the team either. And, and one of the things I talk about a lot with, with leaders is how do you move away from being a boss to being a coach. And that's really a trend. It's not really a trend even. I think that's where everything is moving. It's not going to just be a trend that disappears where the workforce is moving towards that direction of how does my leadership be more like a, like a coach to the team I'm with? Because that changes your perspective. If you walk into your doors of your organization and your team is there, maybe some of them are, maybe all of them are, whatever the case is, and you have that mindset, I'm here to help be a coach with my team where I'm helping I want to help bring the best out of them and bring them up rather than try to be the one who brings them down. That's where you're going to start seeing some transformation in your team. Because currently I think the statistics are something like only 21% of the workforce around the world considers themselves engaged in their job. And I think the other end of that spectrum is disengaged. It's something around 20% as well, or 20 something percent. I, I, I don't have that number here in front of me. It's disengaged, actively disengaged. So those are the people that are almost going to work basically to try to not intentionally screw you over, but they're doing their best to make things hard. They're not going to be the ones that are getting the work done. And that, according to studies, is costing organizations worldwide in the trillions with a T of dollars. And wow. so if you aren't looking at how you can increase engagement as a leader in your organization, you are costing your organization, even if you're a small organization, you're costing your organization thousands of dollars of lost revenue. But more importantly, it's not only about the revenue, you're costing this, this causing this hardship and pain in these people's lives because I would never want to show up to work and be someone who is just grumpy about being at work. The only reason I'm there is because, hey, I got to have a job and I'm going to just sit here and I'm going to you know, be on my phone doing nothing as long as possible, as long as no one's watching over my shoulder. Imagine the, the, the pain, internal pain that person is going through. So you're also causing 
these hardships these people are going through. Yeah, some of it's their problem. They got to figure it out. I agree, right? Sometimes it's just we need people with solid character that work for us. But your leadership also plays a huge role in how you can draw those people up. And so if you're able to be a coach, if you're able to draw the best out of your team, you're going to see their engagement increase. You're going to see their satisfaction with their life, not just with their work, increase. Studies show that people who are engaged at work, who have a boss that, that is helping them become the best that they're able to be, focusing on their strengths, are three times more likely to say they have a good quality of life. That's not changing anything in their quality of life in regards to they have more toys or more cars or whatever. It's just the fact that they have a place at work that they feel that they can be the best at who they are. That's powerful. And so as leaders, we need to be able to do that more effectively. Right. And you, you made a great point there because you know that people, you know, staff members, employees, they take that home with them. Yeah. If the, if the boss is a jerk and, and they've had a bad day and, 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 you know, they're thinking about it as they leave the office, they're thinking about it on the way home, they're thinking about it at the dinner table with the family. And they're not, they're not able to be present with the family if they're dreading tomorrow, you know, is tomorrow going to yeah. be a bad day? They're going to lose sleep. Um, and, and it really does affect every aspect of their lives. And I was just thinking even more so now with work from home teams, virtual teams, the leaders are actually coming into their homes. Yeah. You know, so they're right there in their face, in their homes. So, you know, that's, that's an even, I don't want to say drastic, more drastic approach, but more powerful approach, I suppose, you know, when, you know, if, if you, you're face to face with your, your leader there and, uh, you know, on the, uh, on the screen in the Zoom and he's giving you an earful and, and your kid is like, you know, two feet away or, yeah. or you know, your significant other is, is, can hear it in the other room. You know, yeah. that's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's something to, to really uh, watch out for. Um, one, one thing that you keep saying that, that sparks my interest is focusing on strengths. Now, I saw a post some time ago, and I believe it was put out by Gary Vee, um, where he said, uh, and I just want to see if you agree with this or your approach to this. He said, forget about your weaknesses. Get somebody else to handle your weaknesses. Triple down on your strengths. Is this part of your approach? Is this something you agree with, that kind of statement? Yeah, I think that that it aligns very much with what I would talk about with teams and with leaders in the sense that if the more you can tap into your strengths, what you're good at, the better you're going to be. And I, the metaphor I like to use, and it's one that's been used in a lot of different situations is, uh, let's say, Jeff, that you're a fish, right? And you're a really, as a fish, you're really good at swimming, right? Because that is your strength. And if I ask you to go climb a tree, you will not get up that tree very quickly. You might, you might never get up that tree you might spend a lot of your energy, a lot of your time, a lot of your effort trying to climb that stupid tree. And you're going to get frustrated. The people around you are going to get frustrated because you're not getting that tree climbed. That's not your strength. You are a fish. So go and swim. And if that tree needs to be climbed, find someone who can climb a tree. So that might be someone else on your team. That might be someone that you have to bring in from outside. But that tree, if it needs to be climbed, shouldn't be for you. Now, if you're a solopreneur, you might need to be someone who is able to climb some trees a little bit, but in the ideal situation, you got to try staying in your wheelhouse, your strength wheelhouse as much as possible and look for ways that as soon as possible, you can find someone else to climb that tree. So yeah, I, I would agree with that to a certain extent uh, as well. Yeah. 
And that's where bringing in some outsourced individuals like virtual assistants or an outsourced customer support team can really help out a leader because they have that experience. They're experts in, in different fields of, uh, you know, say customer support or, you know, wh whatever it is, like answering emails. Um, I, we actually have clients that are horrible at answering emails. You know, even, even my emails, I'll email them and they'll get, they'll get back to me sometime next week. They're great at running their businesses, but answering emails or answering phone calls or returning messages, they're not so great at, you know. So they actually have virtual assistants with us to handle, you know, their emails and their calendars and, and, and other parts like that, uh, yeah, parts that, of their business. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense because then it allows you as a leader to, to excel where you want to excel and to do the things that only you can do. There's certain things that, that you can't outsource as a leader that, that, are, that need to be in your wheelhouse. But so often we're, we're focused on trying to put out fires or, or trying to solve some of these things like, how am I going to email as an example? You brought that one up. That you can't even focus on the, on the things that only you can do. So what are the things that only you can do because of your role, but also because of what your talents and your strengths that you bring to the table? And how can I do that more often? That's a good question that we all need to ask ourselves in whatever role we're in, whether that's, you know, you're the key leader in the organization or you're a member of the team, whatever the case is, what do I bring to the table so I can be more effective and I can help my team be more effective and let's find others to fill that gap behind me. So by that rationale, you say that it's, it's, perfectly okay to show your weaknesses in front of your staff. I think it's good to be aware of them for sure. And to talk about them, I think always start with talking about what you bring to the table in a good way. And I think that's a great kind of culture and philosophy to bring in your organization, even in how you do, you know, employee reviews and, and performance reviews and things like that. We need to be talking a lot more about what are the good things that you do and what are the good things you bring to the table and there might be things that I'm not good at and I want to be aware of that and I want to make sure my team is aware of that. But I want to start with saying these are, this is how you can get the most out of who I am as a leader or as a team member, whatever the case is. I want to be so comfortable with who I am that I can say those kind of things and recognize that what I'm good at is like having a superpower for my organization. And it's okay to be okay with that, right? I mean, maybe we want to be humble and there, it, Sharing what you're good at isn't about being cocky or overconfident. It's about being real and then saying, these are also some things I'm not good at. And there might be times where you still need to do the things you're not good at because we don't live in a perfect world. Love if it was a perfect world, but we don't. So there might be times where I got to pull up my socks and I got to do that thing that I'm not good at. But again, I'm climbing a tree when hopefully I can be swimming more often. So I'm wondering, okay, um, throughout this conversation, if you ever run into guys like I was a few years ago, and that is, and, and I'll admit it, um, Superman mentality. And when, when I say that, I mean that everything, nobody can do it as well as me. I have to do everything, even the things that I'm not good at. And you know what I mean? Just basically, yeah. basically um, it's, it's just never going to be good enough. Right. Uh, that is something that even, you know, for me, I've had to work on for myself and relax a little bit and allow other people to handle uh, certain things. I'll give a, for instance, to, just today, we were reviewing some numbers um, and I am horrible at math. I'm slow. Mm. I can do it, 
it just takes me a little bit longer than other people. So I actually had to go to our, you know, uh, director of operations and say, Hey, listen, you know, can you simplify this? And, you know, it, it hurt me inside in a, in a little way to admit that, that weakness right. that I have. Um, so do you run into people like that that are like have, are running themselves, you know, into the ground, but just having such a hard time letting go? Yeah. And I think most of the time I've seen those people being solopreneurs who are, who are doing it on their own and they're unwilling to even consider having someone else come and do something with them because they feel like they've had to be the person all along. I've had to own this. I've had to be the one who does this best that, you know, as good as I can. And, and it's hard to trust others because it's your livelihood on the line when it's a solopreneur. It, it happens in other contexts too, but I think that's the ones that I've seen most often. And my encouragement for, for them is to always, you know, ask them to, again, what, let's focus on what your natural innate talents actually are. And the strengths finder assessment helps do that. So that, that's what I help them, you know, point them toward that. Here's what you actually are good at. How do we use the things that you're good at, the talents that you're good at to get the things done the best way that you can, that you need to get done. And then let's start having the conversation as to which of the things that you need to get done. Do your talents make it harder for you to do than other things? And how do we fill those gaps? Sometimes it might be outsourcing. Sometimes it might be starting to look at how do I bring someone else in onto the team? Sometimes it is just the awareness of those weaknesses or those challenges, helping them to kind of identify them means that they approach them differently in the future. So they have a lot more confidence in the things that they are able to do well. And then they're very much more cognizant and aware of the things that they don't do well. They still might do them themselves, at least in the short term, but at least they're aware of those differences between the good and the challenge. Well, this has been a great conversation, Ben. I, I've got a lot of takeaways that, that will personally help me um, with my leadership skills. Um, so if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and, and, and if you, you, we've piqued their interest and they want to have a to, uh, open up a conversation with you, what's the best way to, uh, to get a hold of you or to get, get more information about um, your services? Yeah. So the best way, if people are on LinkedIn, that's usually the best channel to get in touch with me. So you can find me on LinkedIn. Just look for Ben Duick. That's D-U-E-C-K last name. It'll probably be in the show notes of the, of the podcast here. Mm -hmm. And uh, they can find me on there. Just send me a connection request and just let, let me know that you uh, heard this podcast so I can know kind of how you got connected. I also have a website that people can check out. It's canteraleadership.com. So Cantera is C-A-N-T-E-R-A leadership.com and my contact information will be on there as well. And then I also have an Instagram. I don't do as much on Instagram, but if you want to see some stuff on there too, you can find me on Instagram, but those are the best ways to get in touch with me. If you do want to send me an email, Ben at canteraleadership.com, send me an email, gladly interact with you on there as well. And I'll put all of those links in the uh, description for the podcast. That'd be so, great. Thanks for having me on Jeff. By the hey way. Ben, it's been, it's been amazing. Um, thank you for being on and uh, let's keep in touch. Sounds good, Jeff. So that will wrap it up for this installment of Telecast PH. I've been BizDev Jeff, your host. Thanks for listening. And a special thank you to Ben Duick for taking the time to talk with us today. Now, if you like this podcast, please subscribe. And if you're on the YouTube channel, go ahead and like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you'll be notified when I upload new content. And, of course, if you want to find out more about Telework PH and what we do and how we can help your business scale up quicker, all you got to do is hop on over to www.teleworkph.com or go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn. Just search BizDevJeffThompson or the hashtag BizDevJeff.
And as the late great Dr. Wayne Dyer said, in a world where you can be anything, be kind. Take care, everyone. Be safe. This is BizDev Jeff, signing off.